4: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. And it's another great day for democracy, is it not? It's another great day uh, to be Prime Minister if your name is Theresa May. It's another wonderful day uh, to look forward to Prime Minister's questions this morning uh, and this afternoon. Ross Kempster will be joining us for that, of course, because Theresa May not only uh, is going to be answering questions from her fellow MPs and colleagues, she's also, at 12.45, going to make an announcement. She's about to unveil yet another Brexit statement at 1245 quarter to one today, just before this show ends. And what on earth could it possibly be about? Because already the statement that she made yesterday outside of the House of Commons, in which she promised to give the House of Commons members a lot more say, and possibly a second referendum over Brexit, is in fact fallen so flat uh, that it was dead on arrival. Not only was it dead on arrival, it was dead on departure. Nobody wants the deal, nobody cares. And in fact, Theresa May is now if anything closer to the end than she has ever been before but isn't it a bit like i was saying to julia hartley brewer it's like somebody bringing you a car every day and trying to sell you the same car day after day after day finally she's given it a wash today and she's brought it before us again but it still looks like it's got the same old scratches it still looks like a couple of the brakes are a bit worn it still looks as if the exhaust pipe's fallen off and i still don't like the color to be honest apart from that Why don't you bring it back next week and see if I want to buy it then? 0344 499 1000. We'll be talking about that, plus a whole lot more because, of course, Michael Gove now wants to ban plastic straws and those things you stick in your ear when you try and get the wax out. Why does he want to ban them? And in fact, it turns out he's not going to ban them at all. He's only going to pretend to ban them. Because if you walk into a McDonald's and say, I'd like a plastic straw because I know you have to keep them here for people who need them, they'll say, but you can only have one if you're disabled. You say, well, I am disabled. What are they going to do then? They're going to have to give you a plastic straw. It is mad. The world has gone a bit mad. Luckily, sanity prevails here at the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And we know that you will provide most of it. 0344. 499-1000 is the number. Coming up, we're going to talk to Nigel Evans, Conservative MP for Ribble Valley, a man who said yesterday that it is time for Theresa May to hang up her boots. This is Talk Radio
0: the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio
4: as if by magic we are here again as if by magic we are discussing brexit still we are not in the tent of shame the grass is looking a lot better now on college green since we vacated the premises we're hoping to be back there soon because soon some kind of vote is going to have to happen is it not let's talk to nigel evans conservative mp for ribble valley nigel a very good morning to you welcome to the show Good morning, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I saw you yesterday on Sky TV saying that basically the time has now come. Surely her time is up. And, I mean, I can't imagine what on earth it is she's going to say at 12.45 today. Have you any idea? Uh, Well, I I, I seem along the same
0: theme as yesterday. Uh, You just used the analogy of an old banger. Yeah. Uh, Which I think is uh, appetite. But um, this is uh, an old banger. Uh, with 646 steering wheels (laughs) uh, because basically she's throwing the whole thing at parliament and saying you decide where we go so irrespective of why people voted conservative at the last general election uh, for the red lines that Theresa May put in about delivering Brexit ensuring that we controlled our borders weren't in the single market or customs union uh, not paying billions into them and all that sort of stuff um, that's now up for bidding Uh, and she's done it two days before important elections, one day now before um, uh, an important election Mm. takes place because Jen will be making the statement uh, this afternoon in Parliament following Prime Minister's questions. And quite frankly, the mood is quite grim and uh, I've got a meeting of uh, the backbench Conservative Committee, the 1922 Committee, this afternoon, and I will be pushing uh, very hard for a vote on a rule change in order that MPs have the opportunity themselves to express whether or not they have confidence in the Prime Minister.
4: Well, surely nobody has confidence in the Prime Minister. I mean, it would be easier if you held up a sort of a, a load of plastic straws uh, in front of Michael Gove and said, pick one of these, please, Mr. Gove, to see which one you'd like to bang. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest, there are so many analogies we could make, we could be here all day. But there's yeah. surely nobody left in the Tory party who wants Theresa May to carry on, apart from those very loyal cabinet ministers. I think there's about three of them uh, who keep banging yeah. on about how the deal is still good.
0: I uh, can't quite get over why the cabinet are not uh, taking their responsibilities uh, more seriously than they currently are. And in fact, those who wish to succeed Theresa May uh, ought to think long and hard because a number of backbenchers are saying that anybody who stays in the cabinet uh, and doesn't basically remove the prime minister themselves, which they have the opportunity to do, uh, then they will not be able to count on the votes of those backbenchers. Mm. So it's quite serious from, from that point of, of view. But if, they, if the Cabinet don't move today, and as you know, uh, the Cabinet did meet yesterday, and uh, we read all about it in today's newspapers, <laughs> uh, about uh, the anger from the Cabinet as to the approach the Prime Minister was taking and that some of them were shocked following the uh, Cabinet meeting that the Prime Minister gave the speech that she did in Charing Cross stating what was going to be in the withdrawal agreement. No. no. Uh, because clearly it's not what was decided or the mood of that cabinet meeting. Well, uh, there's nothing to stop the meeting again today is there uh, to tell the Prime Minister enough is enough uh, and it's the game's over. Um, I, I mentioned those um, uh, elections that are taking place tomorrow. Mike, uh, and uh, I know the Prime Minister says, well, perhaps we ought to have a confirmatory vote uh, if, if, if that's at all uh, wanted by Parliament. Well, we're going to have one on Thursday. And then wait for those results on Sunday and then perhaps MPs will be better informed as to what the mood of the public is.
4: Well, exactly right. I had Katie Perry in here yesterday, Nigel, and um, Andrew Bridgen as well. Andrew thought she might last longer than the end of June. Katie was pretty sure that uh, Theresa May would be gone by the end of June. I mean, after what's happened in the last 24 hours and the next 24 hours, you'd have to imagine that that the term is shorter rather than longer, isn't it?
0: I... My own preference, and this is why I'm going to vote for the rule change to give the uh, Tory MPs the opportunity to have uh, another say uh, as to their confidence in the Prime Minister, is that two big things uh, have happened since uh, the 1922 met the Prime Minister. One is the talks collapse with the Labour Party. And secondly, she made the speech that she did yesterday, pivoting all over the place. Uh, And uh, both of those are seismic as far as I'm concerned. Well, there will be a third thing that's happening, which is those elections. And then that will better inform people as to uh, where the current thinking of the public happens to be. But you just can't carry on like this, Mike. Um, uh, If you think about it, the leadership uh, election campaign has already begun. You've got cabinet ministers making speeches way outside their portfolio. Uh, uh, Boris has already announced his campaign. You've got Esther McVeigh, Dominic Raab, you name it. Their, Their names are in the ring. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, the leadership campaign has begun. All of these people, including cabinet ministers, have got campaign teams actively working on behalf of these cabinet ministers. Um, will their minds be on their uh, government departments or will they be on campaigning? Well, uh, my own view is they will be busy campaigning. And I'm absolutely certain that this weekend they will be doing ring arounds and uh, phoning people to ensure that uh, their support is being shored up. My own view, my own view for what it's worth, is I'm more of a view that the uh, Prime Minister is in her last days now.
4: Yes, I think she absolutely is. Because she's found herself here... By dint of her own hand, I'd have to say, because she's forgotten about what she was promising to deliver, which was to deliver the result of the referendum. Instead, she's attempting to deliver what is effectively an unpalatable kind of mishmash of, of, of coalitions and, and kind of uh, agreements with people who don't actually agree with her. And she keeps putting things in in the hopes that they will agree with her. So it's almost as though yeah. she's forgotten what the end game is. The end game is leaving the European Union. Her end game seems to be getting something through Parliament. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, she's
0: completely forgotten uh, what we stood for in the last general election, and she just wants any old deal through. Mm. Now she's not prepared uh, to uh, basically raise the flag that we did during the 2017 general election. It is quite remarkable, uh, Mike, that you were talking about the leader of the Conservative Party talking to the leader of the Labour Party, both fighting the last general election on a similar European uh, Brexit platform, and yet neither of them then could come to an agreement Uh, on what that really meant. Um, I mean, it's quite bonkers, really. Mm. Um, I remember talking to the Prime Minister prior to her becoming leader of the party when she said to me, we wouldn't have one foot in, Nigel, we won't have one foot out. Brexit means Brexit, I'll make a success of it. And none of that has happened. Uh, We should have left on March the 29th. uh, And uh, ever since we failed to do that, and the date has changed three more times (laughs) since then, uh, I mean, it's it's beyond farcical now. It's beyond satire. And I think people are really fed up People want to move on, and the only way we're going to get to any proper Brexit uh, strategy, I believe, is with, a, with new leadership in the Conservative Party. After all, she tends to think that it's far better if she gets the brino trap bill uh, through uh, so that uh, her successor doesn't have to worry about it. Well, my goodness me, if, if the brino bill actually passed Parliament, then her successor is going to be handed a toxic baton Uh, which is going to basically poison the Conservative Mm. Party for a generation. Far better that they're given a clean sheet in order to implant their own views uh, on uh, the uh, negotiations that they will have with a new commission in Brussels.
4: And given the number of times you and I have had this conversation, Nigel, um, I'm not quite sure whether we've moved it on at all, really. But do you think that we are nearer now a no-deal Brexit of some kind? We are nearer some kind of um, uh, renegotiation with Brussels? I mean, if we do get a new prime minister, what happens?
0: Well, it depends who that Prime Minister is. If it's Rory Stewart, then clearly he will pivot towards more of a customs union arrangement deal. Uh, But if it's uh, Boris Johnson or Dominic Raab, then clearly uh, no deal is back on the table. Uh, And it's then, of course, up to the negotiation with the European Union, because I'm still of a mind that had the Prime Minister not blinked in the way that she did prior to March the 29th, the European Union, with their £95 billion uh, trading uh, surplus with the United Kingdom, uh, would have uh, wanted to have got some deal in place in order to protect the sale of cars, the sale of champagne, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, But I'm, I'm afraid Theresa Blink first, and we've paid a very heavy price for that. And, and indeed, she personally will have paid a very heavy price, because not only has she brought forward the date as uh, to when her departure was going to be from Downing Street, and she's moved that date twice, uh, it seems to me as if um, the Conservative Party may well, either through the 22, either through the Cabinet, or indeed... On the June the 15th, when the uh, voluntary party have asked for an extraordinary meeting of the convention in order to have a vote of no confidence in the prime minister, I mean, it doesn't look very good for the PM. And- do you know, it's just as well that she
4: stopped reading newspapers. <laughs> yes, indeed, because the Times itself has got so much in there today that would it would make most people just give up and go home. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know what more it's going to take, but but interestingly enough, without getting into the ins and outs of voter intentions and all of that, I wonder if after after this weekend, and all the votes are in for the European elections, that the EU may not have a different negotiating position, <laughs> because they could well be stuffed with people who don't like the EU. Suddenly, looking around in the Brussels uh, Parliament, we've, we've heard old Guy for Hofstadt, saying that he believes that Nigel Farage and the Russians and Boris Johnson are going to cripple and ruin the EU. Well, he might be right. Uh,
0: Indeed. And uh, I think the uh, the one thing that uh, the opinion polls are all pointing to is in one direction, which is not in the direction of my party and indeed not in the direction of the Labour Party either. It's quite incredible, really, to be in a position where it looks as if the two major political parties are in for a caning. And a rude awakening, because the one thing you can't do with the electorates is take them for fools. And you can't say to them two years ago, you're going to deliver Brexit. And then bit by bit, month by month, you stymie uh, what you promised the voters. And I think that um, uh, we will only have to wait until Sunday, Mike. And I think that the, the script will change somewhat on Monday morning.
4: Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Nigel. Thank you very much indeed. Nigel Evans, Conservative MP for Ribble Valley, very much of the opinion that for Theresa May, uh, your time is up, and Mrs. May, please just go away. Do not bring the old car back again. Do not give it another spit and polish. Do not think that you have changed anybody's mind by what you were going to do. Theresa May, the Prime Minister, is going to get up in the House of Commons today for Prime Minister's Questions. Ross Kempser will be here to help us through all of that. If it's anything like last week, of course, which was dire, uh, there won't be much interest at all. But she She is going to make a statement at 12.45, apparently, uh, where she's going to, for some reason, set out yet another Brexit withdrawal agreement. I can't imagine what it is. Meanwhile, of course, if you're voting uh, in the European elections, it's only one day away. I just want to give you a little bit of information. If you become an MEP, you have a basic salary of £89,468. You can also receive a general expenditure allowance of £4,513 a month for which you do not have to provide any receipts whatsoever. You can then also access a first-class rail and a first-class flight allowance up to £4,454 a year. All in all, it's worth about two hundred grand to become an MEP. Not bad if you can get it. 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We'll take your calls next. The Independent Republic
0: of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
4: So the ban on all of these items is apparently going to take effect from April of next year, Okay, Sales of plastic plates and cutlery will be prohibited the year after. Uh, The EU announced that member states would introduce a much wider ban on single-use plastic items in two years' time. But quite frankly... It's not really a ban because there's going to be all kinds of exemptions. Like, for example, in the medical world, if you need to use plastic implements or plastic straws or plastic spoons, you'll still be able to do it. If you walk into a fast food area and you say that you've got a disability and you must have a plastic straw... They will have to give you one, and they won't be able to question whether or not you have a disability, because that, of course, is discriminatory. Let's talk to Louise Edge and see whether she agrees with me that this is just window dressing rather than doing anything proper about the environment. Louise, a very good morning to you. Very good morning to you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. This is all just playing around the edges, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time coming. We're obviously welcoming the news that government's finally enforcing this ban on uh, straws, cotton buds and stirrers, But as you pointed out, the reality is these bands really only scratch the surface. Mm. Anyone that's been in a supermarket recently knows they're just a tiny amount of the single use plastic we use. And more importantly, they're just a part of the plastic that's ending up in our oceans, our rivers, our air, our water and our food. Mm. So we're saying, you know, good step. But to really tackle this crisis, you need to go further and faster. We need targets to reduce the production of single-use plastic, as well as the all-inclusive deposit return scheme that is being uh, debated at the moment, and it seems there's a risk the government might row back on.
4: I mean, that seems more straightforward in a way, because if you say to people, look, there is a deposit return scheme whereby if you've got a plastic bottle of water, there's a place you can take it, or there's a machine you can put it in, you can get some money back out, it will work pretty straightforwardly. But you can't suddenly say, all right, in England we're going to ban plastic straws because you know when you cross over into Scotland they'll have plastic straws
2: Uh, Scotland's actually ahead of uh, England and Wales on this, so, so they've already got a ban in. So th- there is no issue of cross-border here. Um, and as you pointed out, you know, you're. you Are telling me I can't actually, get a plastic
4: straw in Scotland?
2: You're not going to be able to, I'm afraid. Are you sure about that? Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. I know um, people I'm not, there, I'm not you know. sure where, where, when that has entered into force. Obviously, this one comes in in April. Right. Um, but they've certainly got um, that coming. Um, and like you said in your introduction, Europe is actually going further uh, and adding things like uh, plastic plates. Saying that you simply can't have things like polystyrene plates that, you know, there is no way of recycling. It Just doesn't. It just is. What possible. about, for
4: example, um, polystyrene um, boxes? You know that you get your your fast food in. What about those?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That is polystyrene. Is one of the materials that is such. It, it's ridiculous that we're using it. Basically, there are alternatives. Polystar in itself is not recyclable. If it gets out into the environment, it will just break down into tiny pieces that then end up in our food, in our water, in our soil, in our air. Um, So companies are starting to take voluntary action, but it's another one that we're asking government to really push on and show direction by legislating. I mean,
4: would you go back to uh, fish and chips in, in newspapers?
2: Absolutely, and a lot of places still do fish <laughs> chips in newspapers. It's
4: hard to get. I mean, a lot of them use paper, but of yeah. course the difficulty is, and a lot of people will say this to you, Louise, that you know the production and manufacture of paper, particularly that white paper that they use in fast food joints, you know, that's not exactly without its carbon uh, problems, sure. is it?
2: For sure. Anything we use has an impact. We're just trying to make sure that where we use plastic, we ensure that that plastic can be recycled, doesn't just end up in landfill, you know, being burned, or ends up in the worst case in our rivers, in our oceans. So, um, the real solution to this that, you know, doesn't have the climate impact, doesn't have the forest impact, doesn't have the impact that plastic has, is if we move to reuse. Um, that 's quite a shift for our for our society, but it 's starting to happen. So say you get a takeaway um from your local curry house on a, a Friday night they would a bit like the bottle deposit return scheme they'd charge you a bit extra and they 'd send you a package that then gets taken back and you get your, you get your money back mm-hmm. gets washed, gets reused. That is the best use of resource
4: is it safer though or not?
2: Is it safer? Yeah.
4: Well, Because nobody talks about whether it's safe or not. I mean, one of the reasons that a lot of this plastic came into use in the first place, particularly medically, was that it was thought to be, you know, less likely to carry disease, less likely to, uh, if it was reused, you know, there's always a residue perhaps of something on it. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be difficult here. I'm just saying that if you're reusing something over and over and over again, there is more risk of of, uh, sort of contamination, bacteria, that kind of thing.
2: For sure. And that is something that, you know, with food packaging would be tackled, you know, there are, we have ways of, of safely cleaning things and reusing them. Medical, I think the, that that's a whole other area and we are we are not pushing for shifts away from plastic in medical uses because there's so much more um, work needs to be done on that. And, and there are strong cases yeah. uh, in hospitals for using plastic, for instance, to deliver, you know, blood,
4: Yes. And under the uh, Michael Gove plan, though, there will, uh, there will be exclusions and exceptions for plastic straws as well, won't there? Yeah. Because apparently you can request them in a restaurant or in a pub or in a bar uh, if you feel the need to have one, i.e. because you've got some kind of disability. Now, as I was saying in, in the opener there, you can't mm. ask someone if, they haven't got a, if they've got a disability or not, if they say they have, because that would be prejudicial and probably illegal, because just you know you can't just go well you don't look as if you're disabled and then assume that you can't give somebody a straw so all of these places will still have to have them
2: i think well i think it's important that those exemptions do exist because there are there are people that actually depend on, on, on straws being yeah yeah no, be i don't i don't i'm not
4: arguing with the exemptions i'm just yeah. saying that doesn't that make a bit of a mockery of the whole idea
2: I think in reality it doesn't, because we're seeing such a shift. People have really... um, They've been really touched by Blue Planet. Um, They're really concerned by the impact plastic is having. And people are shifting away from straws anyway. You know, the bars that I go into... um, I'm not getting offered straws now and if I do, they're paper which has a whole other, you know, question around it but more and more people are saying no, you know, I don't actually need a straw I must admit, me. I'm not a fan
4: of paper straws I was in a mm. bar not long ago um, and I was having margarita which is not to say that I'm in any way middle class and,
2: um, Is margarita I, middle class? <laughs> I well, I think that.
4: if you're drinking it out of a, a, a sort of cocktail glass with a straw, yes mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't coming out of a great big picture of uh, right. you know, a plastic cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the the, the the paper straw kind of disintegrates halfway down. And a lot of people have been tweeting me this morning saying, what happened before we had straws? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who would never used a straw in their lives. Mm. It's quite possible to drink anything you want without a straw.
2: I think that's the key thing. You know, if there's so many scenarios where we do not need a straw. So just don't ask, just refuse the straw just say don't no ask, just say as nancy no.
4: reagan used to say yeah. but yeah i mean the thing is is that I'm, i think everybody is in favor of changing the way that they live and a lot of people have done already i think we do very well and the other of course the other great debating point is what about the rest of the world? I remember seeing mm. um, a piece of film, I think it was, um, was it Jeremy Clarkson who was, who was fishing his hand into some water and pulling out all of this horrible plastic from an ocean that he was in and it was all from China. You know, it was literally every single piece of, of waste that he found was had, was, was had Chinese writing on it. And, you know, there is a sense that we're very good here and we, we, we could do better, but we do as well as we can, but we're not exactly teaching anybody else to do it. Th-
2: listen, this is a, it's a global problem.
4: Um, oh, it is, massively, are particularly
2: yeah. seeing the impacts in Southeast Asia. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But if you look at where the, a lot of the plastics um, that end up in and that are used in Southeast Asia come from, it's actually from North America and Europe because that's where the big uh, corporations like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nestle, Unilever are based. So it's important that we... All act globally, and that we get those global corporations to act, as well as getting our own governments. Yeah, but to, people to, have to habit, habits.
4: Habits that people don't litter as much in this country as they used to do. Mm. Sadly, they still do it. But mm. there's people all over the world who think nothing of littering. You know, you can go to some developing countries, and it might be because they're they're not educated that way, or it might be just because there's nowhere for them to put stuff. But they throw millions and millions and millions of tons of rubbish just into the street.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a massive problem with there being absolutely no waste infrastructure in yeah. a lot of countries, and I think that's one of the things that deposit return shows. You know, you, we're talking about it for bottles; it can be used on so many things. If you give something a value, it will be reused. Yeah,
4: I'm the just con- I'm just conscious kind of, of not of blaming the away. West for everything. You know, we're not we're not you know the big bad wolf here. We're not we're, you know we're not the ones that are polluting the planet. You know, sure we may be contributing to it, but it's not just us.
2: And I think the flip side to that, you know. It, is people are looking for leadership in in this area you know i have talks with with colleagues from other countries they're very excited when the uk does something progressive on plastics because it gives them the space to push their government to follow suit so we really want the uk to come out as a leader in this
4: Yes. Well, we'll see how it all goes. But I don't think Michael Gove has quite got it right yet. But, Louise, thanks very much indeed. Louise Edge, head of Ocean Plastics campaign at Greenpeace. Do you agree with her that we should be the ones leading the world here? Do you agree with her that we should be the ones who are taking the blame for all of this? Or, uh, like me, do you think that there's a lot more that other people can do? I'm fine with banning plastic straws. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't mind if you want to do that, but it's not a ban on plastic straws because as long as you can walk into a bar, as long as you can walk into a restaurant and demand that you're given a plastic straw, then it's not a ban. You know, a ban doesn't mean that, does it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio.
5: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The independent republic of Mike Graham.
0: On Talk Radio. get you
1: through the night.
3: through your life.
4: Lots of parties running in the southeast region of the European elections, of course, including the Brexit Party, Change UK, the Conservatives, the English Democrats, the Green Party, the Labour Party, the Liberal Democrats, the Socialist Party of Great Britain, the UK European Union Party, and UKIP. Plus, there are three independent candidates, and they are Jason McMahon, David Round, and Michael Turberville. Uh, I've got some great uh, tweets coming in around the subject of what uh, terrible kind of combinations of things you have eaten or you have seen other people eat. Some of them, I think you're just making them up now. Uh, peanut butter and marmite, says Nicola. Really? Francis says, I can't put cat food out for a stray cat because a magpie eats it. I'm not a magpie fan, but the blue colour on them and the sun shines on them is beautiful. Well, I don't think you should be putting out food for a stray cat anyway, because you're going to get rid of them. You wake up one day and the cat will be in your house. Tuna and bacon is a new one to me, says Jill, but it's not uncommon to see cod with prosciutto or chorizo on a menu, so the fish and killed pork combo does work. Yeah, but that's not like eating tin tuna and bacon. That's not the same thing at all. Jilly uh, says, I'm quite partial to a mackerel and crunchy peanut butter sandwich with lashings of uh, tomato sauce. Really? And Bob says, how about uh, sprout and Marmite sandwiches? My dad eats those. You can't put sprouts on a sandwich. I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous totally mad. Let's talk to Rachel Hosey instead about something which is equally mad and that is that the United Nations uh, Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organisation, UNESCO, has said in a report that uh, the assistants that we use, like Alexa and Siri, are actually somehow replicating patriarchal ideas and are giving submissive and coquettish responses to men, thereby, you know, sort of prevailing with stereotypes that women are the subject of uh, service to men. Rachel, very good morning to you. Welcome.
5: Hi, Mike.
4: This is a bit ridiculous, isn't it?
5: Well, you may not be surprised to hear that I do not think this is ridiculous or mad at all. Actually, I think <laughs> I, I am think surprised, Rachel. I, I've always problem. thought
4: of, I've always thought of you as a sensible person. You can change uh, the really? you can change the gender on this stuff.
5: Well, you can on Siri, but you can't for Alexa. Which is, I, in my opinion, really bad. You can change the accent if you want; you yeah. can make it Australian or something, but you can't change the gender. And even on the other things, I think it's a problem that the default is a female voice.
4: Yeah, but I, I mean, isn't that because that's generally speaking just the way that people like to listen to? You don't want to hear my voice coming out of Alexa, do you? All right. <laughs> What do you well, want? you
5: might, you might hey? not want to hear your voice, you might not want to hear my voice. There are plenty of men with, you know, soft, nice-to-listen-to, velvety voices. Are you saying you don't um, like my voice? Absolutely not, Mike. You make a career as a radio broadcaster, <laughs> so I could never say that. Um, but I think it's very interesting that the researchers have also said they're looking into creating a sort of genderless voice, mm. which I think um, could be a good solution.
4: Well, you see, I'm surprised in a way that they didn't do that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not yeah. in any way suggesting that gender stereotypes are a good thing. Okay, so, so don't get me wrong about that. <laughs> but but I think I'm amazed in a way when I hear I hear the Alexa voice. But both my kids have got one, and I never I don't actually associate it with a female voice. I just it sounds like a robot. So it doesn't sound to me like like, like it's got any gender.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it is robotic, but it is definitely a female voice. And I think, you know, another problem is, like you mentioned, these coquettish responses and the reporters called something like I'd blush if I could, which is one of these AI responses to when someone said something sort of flirty yeah. to their um, Alexa or whatever it might be. And, you know, I think if they made, they made the robots a little like sassier or, you know, something that wasn't quite so passive and it, it does kind of reinforce the subservient idea which
4: is problematic. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's only problematic because they say it's problematic, but I actually happen to believe that most people, and I don't just include people that I personally know, but, you know, certainly the people that I personally know and other people that call into this show, there are are very few people out there who now consider somehow the, the female sex to be inferior or to be second class rather than first class. You know, I don't know anyone that actually still thinks that.
5: Well, you say that, but there are still plenty of people out there with a lot of sort of entrenched um, misogyny or it's sort of, it's it's sexism that's so deep down within us because it's how we're brought up that we don't even realize. And, you know, women have it too. Um, And I think, you know, you can't argue with the fact that statistics show that women still do the vast vast majority of housework think of offices it so often just somehow ends up that a woman's the one responsible for making sure a meeting has food and drinks provided and it's little things like that which sort of are sort of reinforced by this idea that a woman is there to sort of do your task and is there at your beck and call it just being like hey Alexa or whatever you say.
4: I think it must be that you're looking for that, though, because I, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't see that. You know, we've got, we've just moved into a big new building here, a shiny new uh, canteen stroke restaurant where there are men and women working, uh, doing the same jobs. You know, it's not all staffed by women. You know, it's a very diverse um, um, employment sort of scenario. And, I'm, I'm honestly not looking for that anyway. I mean, it wouldn't worry me in any way, shape, or form if I was if I was given a sandwich by a robot, by a man, by a woman, you know, by a hedgehog. Honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't care.
5: No, and I'm sure, and that's obviously As great, long as it's not that's... bacon
4: and, and uh, tuna, obviously.
5: Uh, yes, no, I would not eat that. No. Um, but in the home, you know, we've seen so much progress over the past decades in that women that are working much more equally alongside men. However, they still do the vast majority of housework, of child-rearing, as well as the full-time work. And this is leading to women uh, feeling a lot more exhaustion, burnout, much higher levels of stress because they're sort of being made to do everything.
4: And how do you feel about it all? Do you feel as if you're put upon, Rachel?
5: I mean, I do feel like there is still this sort of inherent thing in a woman should be, you know, there are certain things that are women's, it. And, you know, it's not just that men make a woman, men might make me feel this way. It's kind of how a society has brought me up to feel in myself. So I think it's not just a case of men putting this on women, it's society as a whole. And so I do think that small changes like things like this can make a difference. I just think the main problem is that a, the female voice is default, and B, that you can't change it to a man's voice yeah. on Alexa. Because when I like on sat-navs and things, you can usually choose what voice you want. Um, I, think, I think it's problematic that you can't change yeah. it. Yeah,
4: but it could be, of course, that the people that made Alexa have... And I'd be surprised if they haven't spent a fortune on doing the mm. market research to see what kind of voice people prefer.
5: Yeah. And if
4: you prefer a softer, you know, kind of slightly higher-pitched voice then that happens to coincide with the fact that that would sound a bit like a woman. doesn't mean it's a woman's voice. Do you see what I'm saying?
5: Yeah, I do know what you mean, but there are definitely traits that sound more like a woman. To be honest with you, though, I'm sure you know as well, there are women whose voices sound like men's, and there are men whose voices sound like women, and Mm. sometimes, you know, you're listening to the radio or podcast, and you're not actually sure, because there are those voices that are kind of in the middle and just go either way. So maybe that's the solution. But
4: that's kind of how I feel whenever I hear the voice, honestly. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I I honestly don't (laughs) see it as a a gender-specific voice. And I wonder sometimes if we put a bit too much emphasis on things which are not human and try and put a human value on it.
5: I mean, her name's Alexa.
4: Well, I don't know anybody called Alexa, do you?
5: Yes.
4: (laughs) Alexa, really?
5: Yeah, it's a female name. Is it? Yeah.
4: Is it not just a male name with an A on the end? No. Well, who's called and, Alexa? As you just
5: said, a male name with an A on the end. Yeah. You know, put it traditionally in, when it comes to language and linguistics, putting an A on something would be the female ending.
4: Well, that tends to be the case in some languages, doesn't it?
5: Well, exactly, yes.
4: Well, what's wrong with that?
5: Well, I'm just saying that means it's female.
4: Well, it could be. But, I mean, Alex to me it's a fairly neutralish name, really. I just think, we, like, I just think you know, there's, there's so much neutrality now. And and so most people, you know, you were saying that some people have got these deeply entrenched views. But if they have, it's not going to matter what Alexa says to them or how it says it, is it?
5: I think the problem is it is it contributes to something that affects us without us realising. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a part of the bigger picture that are all these things that you don't realise are affecting you, but they are.
4: Right. How do you know, though? you don't know. You don't
5: know. You don't know. So
4: you don't know whether they're affecting you. So they might not be. I mean, I feel
5: like that's one to take up with the researchers.
4: (laughs) That's what we'll do. Uh, Rachel, thank you very much indeed. Rachel Hosey, senior lifestyle reporter at The Insider. I'm not sure uh, that I would be more worried. If I was working for the United Nations, I'll tell you what, I'd be more concerned, uh, not so much about the way that Alexa sounds, but at the fact that if you're a diplomat at the United Nations and you get involved in any kind of sexual harassment, uh, rape, beating up of women... Basically, you have diplomatic immunity. Uh, And I've got a case right here of a diplomat's husband who got to use her immunity after he beat her up at a party and he wasn't prosecuted in New York because there's an awful lot of people who work at the UN in New York who get involved in all kinds of stuff. There was a party at the Cuban embassy in midtown Manhattan turned into a fight uh, between the husband of an Argentine diplomat. Uh, He beat a United Nations worker to a pulp. But because his wife was a diplomat, he was able to get away with it. There's been other cases of similar things happening where people uh, have not been prosecuted by the police, where the police have turned up and said, you know, we want to arrest you for murder. Oh, no, you can't do that because I'm a diplomat. uh, I work at the United Nations. It is an organisation, I tell you what, which is rotten from top to bottom. So the idea that UNESCO have somehow come out and decided to get all woke, as the phrase goes, and tell us that, uh, you know, you shouldn't be talking to Alexa as a woman. Uh, Let's give it a neutral name. Well, Alex is a neutral name, isn't it? Why don't you call it Alex? Alex. Is that a man's name or a woman's name? Well, it's it's both. So maybe Alexa is both, isn't it? Is this just a storm in a teacup? I think it is. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't
0: going
2: nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on
0: Talk
3: Radio.
2: <laughs>
4: Three four 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 nine 1000, what is the point of saying you're going to ban something and then not banning it? Oh yeah, I'm going to ban plastic straws, but uh, every restaurant is still going to have to have them in case you've got a disability which requires your need to use them. In that case, it's not a ban, is it? And apparently, uh, I'm told, there are no plastic straws in Scotland. Can that be true? According to the woman from Greenpeace, Louise Edge, the Scots have already banned plastic straws. Really? 0344 499 1000. I bet you there's a black market somewhere uh, near the Barrowlands for plastic straws. I bet you any money you like. Let's talk to Dion, who's in Langley. Hi, Dion. Yeah, morning, mate.
3: How are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, not bad. Just Good. making a sandwich. Um, oh, what bacon sort of sandwich? And bacon. bacon and tuna? Yeah, it's nice. i joking. joking? No, it's the first time I had one last week. I had a tin of tuna. I had some right. bacon before trying to get a bit of tomato puree. Really? It's Bl- lovely.
4: That sounds horrendous. <laughs> well,
3: no, <my laughs> <It's
4: a race. laughs> what do you want to say about plastic?
3: Yeah, you know, when I woke up this morning early and stretched, heard that on the news, I thought, my God, this is important. We've got a government in disarray. Yeah. No one's agreeing with that. And I'm supposed to be worried whether I have a straw or pick my ears with a plastic earbud.
4: (laughs) Well, you might want to start stockpiling them, you know.
3: Well, I've got something to pick my ear with. I've got a golf tee. That that, that doesn't sound safe. listening, it's made out of wood.
4: I was going to say, if you make it out of wood, that's better. They used to be made of plastic, the old ones, didn't
3: they? Um, Well, the old ones first made out of wood, then they changed to plastic. Yes, and then I don't know. I haven't played for a long time, but I just happen to have a golf tee, and it's it's comfortable in the ear. Yeah, well you, I mean, well, you wouldn't. I mean,
4: you wouldn't want it to, anything to happen if you had to make any sudden movement, though. That sounds a bit dangerous. But listen, thank you very much. Enjoy yeah. your bacon and tuna sandwich. What a bizarre combination. I can't imagine anything more bizarre. I mean, here's something you could do. You could tweet me, if you like, at Talk Radio. Have you ever eaten a more unusual sandwich than bacon and tuna? That's incredible. Let's talk to Daniel, who's in Epsom. Hi, Daniel. Bacon
1: and tuna? Yeah,
4: that's horrible, isn't it? That's it it's a sort of the mark of the beast
1: time. I reckon that's, he's got like two or three slices of bread left, and that's the only two things left. And, and then,
4: as if that wasn't weird enough, he then added some tomato puree. <laughs> I
1: don't sake. know, mate. Do you know what? I, I tweeted Brandon Lewis earlier. Oh, and, yeah. I, and, and it was only five words. I just put... Uh, something along the lines of, what are you waiting for? Because <laughs> I, I'm a conservative, but the, the, most of the electorate out there, right, know that she's done a terrible job because yeah. we know that David Davis recommended that she didn't go along with their sequencing. So she agreed to pay £39 billion, pounds, even though she didn't know what the deal was going to be. Yeah. yeah. So David Davis was proved right, she was proved wrong. Right. When you watch the documentary about the EU, uh, they were quite willing to give on loads of things, but didn't need to because her and her team of lefty civil servants mm didn't really bargain hard enough. So it's quite clear now that she's done a terrible job and we now need someone who means what they say and it, it is a Brexiteer to take over. She should have gone months ago, you know, take a brief smog when he put in his vote of no confidence. He was right. Yeah, and But not enough people car- agree
4: with him. I mean, you have to blame the Tory party as a whole for not grasping the nettle, don't you?
1: You do. You do. I think. I think you do. And I think there's too many small-c conservatives in the Conservative Party, then most of the electorate are most of the electorate in, in most elections, when you look at how people vote, most people are right, slightly right of centre. And I think most people like me want a proper Conservative Party to vote for. And that means someone coming in and doing grandiose things, mm. coming in and saying, right, if you're, you know, you've got to go. If you don't agree with the way we're going, you've got to leave. Let someone else take your place. Um, I think you've got to give people Brexit. You've got to be really hard with the European Union to say, look, we, if, if, but by this date in October, if we can't work something out, we will walk away. We have to do it. Well, I don't, I
4: don't think there's any doubt, and I keep saying this, and I'm going to continue to say it and I'm doing the face. When we see the results on Sunday of this um, election that starts tomorrow in Europe, I think the European Union will have a very different position at which they come at the negotiations because they will have a lot more by then,
1: I would think, to lose. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They'll have hundreds of people going back, ruining their own parliament. I mean, I think if you look at UK politics, right, I, I would say that the Conservative Party are the only credible party to govern. I think the Lib Dems couldn't, couldn't govern, uh, couldn't you-know-what in a yeah, brewery. No. I think you've got Corbyn, which is, is an idealistic, naive, sixth-form sixth form kind of po- politic. His politics doesn't work. He'd ruin the country. I mean, I, I, everyone's worried about Brexit. A Corbyn government... But he's ruined the the la- I
4: mean, he's ruined the Labour Party for a lot of people as well.
1: Yeah, he's ruined the Labour Party. I mean, basically, we've only got one... The Brexit party is a single-issue party. I'm going to vote for them. Or, and the Conservative party, actually, Brexit to one side. is doing a, quite a good job. The economy, unemployment, mm. wages, um, debt. Yeah, but money. the economy
4: isn't going to get any better unless they solve this particular, you know,
1: impasse. Yeah, but if you look at the, what, what business don't like is indecision. No. So the economy's doing well with indecision. Once we've left, they'll know what to do and adjust accordingly. But I just think she should have gone, she's the problem. She's the problem. Actually, the government's doing quite a good job. She's the problem. She needs... I don't know whether she's a a zombie or she just keeps on going because she's got to go. Brandon Lewis, look at my tweet. She's got to go. What are you waiting for? Well,
4: you know what? I mean, she's going to make us another speech today, 12.45. We'll bring it to you probably live, but we might not because it might not be of any point. But the trouble is I can't imagine what else she's going to say. After what she said yesterday, where people were just like immediately saying, nope, Absolutely no chance, you know, every group that you could think of, from Jeremy Corbyn in the Labour Party frontbench, to uh, the Remainers in the Labour Party, to uh, the Leavers in the, in the European Research Group, to the Lib Dems, to the SDP, to the
1: DUP, they all just
4: went, nope,
1: <laughs> it's, it's quite incredible. It was dead on arrival, that's what they called it, and everyone could see it. And, I mean, the the brass neck of the woman, just to keep coming back, it's not stoic or anything, it's a a mistake. Give us the leader that we want. Give us the champion that we want. She's destroying the only credible political party in the country, right? And uh, it it seems clear to me, and most people with a decent political IQ, if you you align yourself with the Brexit party or you give Nigel kind of a job in the mainstream... He's the reason we're all here. You nullify that threat from the right. People don't want to vote for Corbyn anyway because his, his politics will doom to fail. All you have to do is just have a, a proper leader and, and be a big C Conservative Party and you'll win the next election.
4: Yeah, I think, Daniel, I can't disagree with any of that, I'd have to say. Uh, How about this from um, um, uh, an Essex fellow? who says, it's quite clear to me that Theresa May's last wish is to be in office longer than Gordon Brown. I believe that date is imminent, so I expect her to be gone soon. Thank God, her incompetent cabinet needs to go too. Imagine if that is her only political ambition. That would just be horrendous. Uh, Steve says, Michael Gove's doing what Michael Gove does best, appearing to act while actually really doing nothing of note. And Lionheart says, seeing as we've now lost the war on drugs, have the government now decided to win a phony war on straws? Where we now have local straw dealers standing on corners near fast food outlets? Where we have people walking with a fake limp to try and claim disability to gain straws? Well, you know, it's absolutely incredible what's going on. And David asked a question, I don't know the answer to this one, is there a limit on how much a plastic can be recycled? Well, I have to say, one of the things that I thought was a great idea uh, was that scientists had developed some kind of enzyme that actually eats plastic. Now, that would be far more worthwhile investing in and trying to come up with all sorts of ridiculous bans that aren't going to work and, and, you know, returning schemes for bottles, which you don't actually need to have. If you can destroy stuff and make it clean, there's no problem, is there?
2: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
4: If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say.
0: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
1: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.